This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please contact us there. Quick note on a few shows we are planning on coming up. We continue our State of the League series, reviewing everyone's team in our Dynasty League tonight as well. Uh, This is the sixth one we are doing in that series of ten. And uh, upcoming, you'll want to stay tuned because we have each other's teams. We're going to be doing a pre-draft special here upcoming for the NFL draft that starts on April 29th. We'll also have night-by-night coverage during the draft. Make sure to follow our Twitter feeds for full live reactions at TJ3Duncan and at Hammy2112. I'm sure we'll have the most interesting coverage around the Packers picks. Uh, Just letting you know in advance, we made it pretty evident that we are Packer homers at times. And then we will do our yearly post-draft mock draft special to get you ready for the summer before we do our special rules series. So you don't want to miss out on any of that. So like, subscribe, review the show to make sure you're going to be a part of the fun. All right. As I said before, we're continuing to do a few mini episodes on each member of our league's teams. And next up, under the microscope, is Large Diameter Hose, better known as LDH. So starting off with LDH, I think... There's only one place to start, and that would be his draft class from last year. And the reason that I'm starting there is because he didn't draft until the third round. If you remember correctly, he had the David Montgomery trade, which did pay off for him in the end toward the end of last year. He ended up finishing third for our league overall based on the strength of David Montgomery having a huge finishing kick along with his elite wide receiver class. But... Rob Gronkowski at pick 23, Devontae Freeman at pick 33, LaVishka Chenault at pick 40, Cam Newton at 43, Boston Scott at pick 50, Joey Sly at pick 53, and the Green Bay defense at pick 63. How would you grade his draft class? I mean, for what he had to do, it's it's probably going to look a lot like, well, hopefully it doesn't look like my draft class. Let me start over. It was really shitty. (laughs) So he didn't even keep Rob Gronkowski. It would have been at least edible or uh, something there. And that was his first pick in the third round. He only had one pick in the fourth round, Devontae Freeman, who at least he kept on a hold of. But like Freeman gave way to Wayne Gallman part of the way through the year, and he wasn't even signed until much later. So I don't know about that one. Lavishka Chenault is the only one of rookie value that I would say that he picked that I could give him too much credit for. Cam Newton was a guy that used to be on his team. He made a cut. He reselected him in the draft, got him at low value for the first couple of weeks. That looked like a great pick. Obviously, in hindsight, keeping him at this point, I don't think is recommended, but who knows? He at least is the listed starter for the Patriots at the moment. And then you add in like a fourth-tier running back in Boston, Scott, Joey Sly, and the Green Bay defense, so kicker and defense. I'm not going to give it a whole lot. So because probably the most valuable pick out of this draft didn't even make it through the season on his team, and tight end is one of his worst positions, I'm going to give this a D. 
Yeah, I mean, you also got to take into account, though, that his draft was this bad because he got David Montgomery. So, in essence, he drafted, if you want to think about it, he drafted David Montgomery, and that, in turn, helped a lot for his team. So, yeah, he didn't get the the future talent, maybe, that some of us are looking for, but it wasn't detrimental to the team as much as it could have been. So, hindsight, I mean, maybe... You gave up a lot, but David Montgomery really did help in your run where that you almost took the entire way, and he had a team that was going to do it. So, I mean, the draft was pretty bad, but you can't be too upset with the result. Since you're going to put it that way, I'm going to go through the rest of the picks that went after Gronkowski and by <laughs> round. So after Gronkowski, Brandon Ayuk, Damian Harris, T. Higgins, Brian Edwards, and Curtis Samuel. In the fourth round, when he took Devontae Freeman, could have had Alan Lazard, Paris Campbell, Tua. You could have taken uh, K.J. Hamler after LaVishka Chenault. He could have had uh, Anthony McFarland Jr. I mean, this starts to peter out a little bit. Van Jefferson went in the late fifth round. Oh, I love me Savan. I mean, yeah, there's some names that he missed out on, but I don't think, and I don't think you can say either that Besides T. Higgins. I mean, I think T. Higgins is going to be, I think he's going to be a star. But, I mean, they're, they're guys for sure that he missed in there. But he, David Montgomery for sure was important to his team. That's all I'm really trying to say. Well, it, important to how he finished the year. I don't know how much going forward. Like, had he won a title, I think it makes it completely worth it. It validates everything that he did because, I mean, that's that's what it is. If you win, you're uh, or a hero. If you lose, well, every decision is questioned. I mean, that's what we've said about sports forever. So I can't decry that too much. But let's take a look at his overall roster at the moment. Starting lineup for the final game of the season was Tom Brady, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, David Montgomery, Melvin Gordon III, Eric Ebron, Marvin Jones Jr., A.J. Brown. On the bench, he currently holds... Keenan Allen, Kenyon Drake, Corey Davis, Cam Newton, LaVishka Chenault Jr., Jamison Crowder, Drew Locke, Mark Ingram, Carson Wentz, LaMichael Pirine, Devontae Freeman, Albert Aquig Boonham, and Dak Prescott. Yes, I went through my announcer voice and got Albert Aquig Boonham. Yes, that's extra points for me at home. Nailed it. All right. Anyway, so let's start off with the quarterback position. Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, uh, Carson Wentz, and Cam Newton. I would imagine he's probably going to end up cutting Cam Newton. Wentz is maybe a project, and you take him on some project list, a guy to keep and hold and maybe see if he turns into something, especially with Tom Brady being... Well, we think near the end, but again, Tom Brady could play for another 10 years and be this uh, generation's satchel page. God, I'm so tired of Tom Brady. But anyway, Tom Brady was a top 10 quarterback last year. Dak Prescott was on pace to just shatter records for passing yards through the first like four or five weeks before he had that injury. He's back with Dallas. He's going to have the same uh, receiving core. Their offensive line needs to be overhauled, but 
you would imagine that he's going to have some capability in that offense of putting up some big numbers, especially with the way that Dallas's defense currently is. I don't imagine them being able to stop anybody. So Dallas is going to need to score a ton of points. What would you say his quarterback room is right now? Yeah. I mean, you got Dak coming off the injury, major injury, but for, for his team's sake and for Dak's sake, you know, no ligament damage, uh, no muscle damage, most is all bone. So, that's good. So you think he should be able to return to 100%. And, yeah, he was lighting the world on fire before he got hurt. Then you got Tom Brady, who, you're right, finished in the top 10. He finished his quarterback number eight. So I think you got to feel pretty confident if you are LDH moving forward with your quarterback room. Just somebody that you can pick up if you need to off of the waiver wire because there is always um, pretty decent quarterbacks sitting there if you need to fill somebody in a pinch. But I think he's sitting pretty in his quarterback room. Yeah, I don't think he needs to keep Cam Newton. He's already got one project in Carson Wentz that could be valuable in that Indianapolis system where he doesn't have to be all world Carson Wentz. He was the last two years with Philadelphia in order for them to win. And so I think that makes it a good situation for him to thrive or maybe put up good numbers depending on the matchup. And he's going to have the Houston defense and the Jacksonville defense four times a year. So I can't argue too much with that as far as a project. Tom Brady or Dak Prescott, though, are going to be your one to it starter. And it really is just going to depend. You might be able to play matchups, but Dak, if he gets on that same hot streak he was to start last year, you would imagine that he's probably going to be your number one starter. I would think that if he's on that sort of a, a projection or trajectory, um, for what he was early on before the injury. And I agree with you because it's a bone injury as opposed to ligament. I have a little bit more confidence in him coming back stronger. I would say that he's possibly going to be in the top five quarterback conversation. This is not only an above average, but it's close to an elite quarterback group. All right. Wide receiver is by far his best position. Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill finished the year at one, two, basically for wide receiver in just about every statistical category. Although I would say Tyreek Hill had a really great year buoyed by one um, huge game against Tampa Bay that didn't happen the second time around in the Super Bowl. That being said, he still has A.J. Brown, who had another phenomenal year. Keenan Allen, who just is a target monster with a good quarterback now. Corey Davis, who just went to the Jets. Lavishka Chenault, who with Jacksonville, he could break out at some point, depending on what's going to happen in their quarterback situation. But that's a guy that was a rookie and is a project. Jamison Crowder, who had a really good year when he was on the field. Marvin Jones, who also goes to Jacksonville, very underrated wide receiver. I would classify this as an elite wide receiver group. It's by far his best position. And it's the thing that carried him to third place last year within spitting distance of a title. Yeah, I mean, he was one bad game from being in the title. Um, he would have got smacked in the title just like anybody would have because of how um, great of a game Akron Pros put on that week. But he has um, seven wide receivers in the top 17. It's just insane. He's got four in the top 14. Sorry, not seven. He's got five in the top 17. But he's yeah, got four in the fort 14. Very, very impressive. I think A.J. Brown, too, he could be at the top up there with D.K. for top uh, wide receiver dynasty uh, value. I think A.J. Brown is really, really good. But we're going to also see how good he truly is without a true number two next to him in Corey Davis. 
seeing as he has left town. But yeah, by far his best position group. Well, I am curious to see what the Tennessee offense is going to be without Johnu Smith, without Corey Davis, and if Derrick Henry can't go at the same level that he has been. They took a dip towards the second half of last year as far as offensive production when Taylor Luan went out and they had some other injuries. I don't know what this team's going to be, and while I agree with you, A.J. Brown is a great talent, I don't know if the Titans hold the best uh, availability or ability to get him the ball in the way that he needs to. Marvin Jones is a sneaky player, but I don't know what he's going to be in context of what Jacksonville is. They're going to have a new quarterback. They're going to be probably slinging the ball all over the field, and they're, they've got wide receivers for days right now. So I'm curious as to what is going to happen with Jacksonville, but I think he's a good enough prospect that he might be a nice safety net for Trevor Lawrence early on. That's my feeling. I don't know if that's going to hold up. Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, they're going to be top 10 guys. I don't know if they get quite to the same level they were on last year, but lock them in. They're going to be top 10 guys without some significant injury. They've been at that level for the last couple of years, and uh, I, I would imagine them going forward. All right, let's move over to running back then. David Montgomery had probably one of the best finishes to a fantasy season, to a fantasy season this year without the exception of Jonathan Taylor, who just went all world for the last like five or six weeks. But he really buoyed this team at the end of the year. Melvin Gordon didn't have a terrible finish, but he's not nearly the same running back one that he was for a few years with uh, the San Diego Chargers, then the LA Chargers. And Kenyon Drake, he now goes to Las Vegas to, I guess, be behind Josh Jacobs as kind of the passing down back. He also has Mark Ingram, who was cut by Baltimore. He's now in Houston. And Devontae Freeman, who signed with Buffalo, as well as LaMichael Pirine, who was a rookie with the Jets last year, uh, finished the year on the COVID list. I don't know what the Jets are looking for him, though, at the moment either. So as far as a running back room, how would you think this one stacks up? You know, I think it is above average. But I feel like there's a lot of question marks. His running back room really did help him, though, last year. Devontae Monk, or Devontae, <laughs> David Montgomery finished um, number six for running backs last year. and But Melvin Gordon finished at number 12, and Kenyon Drake finished 14. You got to imagine Kenyon Drake will drop down the list because he's not getting primary ball handling opportunities. Melvin Gordon, you kind of wonder maybe he'll get an uptick seeing as Philip Lindsay isn't out of town anymore. David Montgomery is the question mark for me, though. Are you going to get the same David Montgomery that you had the second half of last year? Or are you going to get the David Montgomery that we all know that's pretty, pretty good, but not nearly as good as what he did showed the second half of the year? You got to wonder, too, how different Chicago's offense is going to be. Are they going to be super run heavy with a quarterback like Andy Dalton? How quickly is he going to grasp the offense? Everything like that. So for me, I think Dan Montgomery is going to have a really good beginning of the year because he's the one constant that's on that offense. It's really easy to turn around and just hand him the ball. So I think they're going to do that early and often. But the rest of the room is for me is you got to have question marks. 
how you done do a Rob like that? David Montgomery is the only mainstay on the Chicago offense. Really? I'm just saying what I mean is you have a new quarterback. No, I know. I know. But you have a new quarterback. So I think the passing game is going to take a little bit. Frankly, this whole team on offense takes a little bit. And the biggest add to David Montgomery's value last year was his only backup for majority of the season was a wide receiver. Like, it's tough to say that the Bears are in a good position at running back. They're going to have to get somebody else into there to do something in case he were to get hurt. Because Tyreek Cohen ends up with an ACL tear, I think, week three. And Montgomery takes like 90%, 95% of the carries from there on out or the catches, the targets from the running back position. Cordero Patterson is not a backup running back. He's a utility guy that you can maybe do a couple of designed plays with. He's not going to be a long-term answer. And I know they used him for one full game, and I think they beat the Buccaneers using Cordero Patterson as their primary running back. But that's just not sustainable. I do think that if Tyreek Cohen comes back and is healthy, that takes away from any targets that David Montgomery is going to see. And I have no confidence in Matt Nagy or the Bears organization in being able to ride David Montgomery. You also have to imagine the fact that Mitchell Trubisky came in and was dumping the ball off. The Bears were were concentrating more of their offense around David Montgomery when Bill Lazor became the primary play caller, and his is a more horizontal offense. If Matt Nagy goes back to the play calling, which I don't think that's going to be the case, I think it limits David Montgomery's potential back to what he was pre those last five or six weeks. So there are a lot of question marks for me with a guy who I think a lot of people are going to be drafting based on his last five or six weeks. And to me, I especially like in a redraft format, I'm not counting on that. Obviously, you're holding on to him in a dynasty format, hoping that you can catch on to that same lightning that you had at the end of the year because he was really, really good. But there were a lot of big plays in there that I don't think you can count on. There were a lot of uh, catches in there that I don't think you can necessarily count on. And I think he finishes the year at best as a running back, too. Just my personal thought. Melvin Gordon is kind of in that range for me as well. And you already said the Kenyon Drake thing with him splitting carries with Josh Jacobs, because I really envision uh, the Raiders last year to the end of the year were splitting carries between Josh Jacobs and I can't remember the other guy. I think it was a former Denver running back, if I can remember right, but I can't remember his name. But Jacobs is their pound it back but they need somebody to offset that. So I think Denver, or excuse me, uh, Las Vegas is going to run the football a lot, but they're going to run it basically evenly split between the two guys. So if that becomes the situation, Kenyon Drake can't finish as a top 20 running back. So that puts him outside of that. So I can only say that this running back room was great to finish the end of last year, but he's got to get better. And he's probably going to have to move one of those wide receivers maybe a Keenan Allen to maybe move up and get into the range that he could take a running back that supplements the rest of these guys that can be his running back one. He's going to have to look for value in a deal to improve this running back room, or he's going to have to hope that Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and the rest of these guys end up carrying his team. Maybe if Dak Prescott is back to being Dak Prescott before the injury for those first five games, it won't matter because he'll make up enough points. I, again, the quarterback position is hugely important in our league. I've overweighted it a little bit, but I don't know if it's enough to make up for 
a running back room where you have a couple of RB2s. I don't know. I, for me, I think his wide receivers, especially the two, two at the top and Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, I think those guys can make up for the lack of, and not even so much lack of, but the the inconsistency of his running back room. Because I think his running backs will have really, really big weeks, but I also think they're going to have some duds too. But if you have Devontae Adams scoring a touchdown a game, which I really do think he's capable of doing, and if you have Tyreek Hill getting around a touchdown a game, where I also think he's very capable of doing, and then just as dependent as the Titans passing game is on AJ Brown. I honestly, I think he's up there again and he's going to have his own draft picks again for the first time in two years. He's finally going to have a first and second round pick. But for that, he gets an eighth overall pick and the 18th pick. Like I I know that there's a lot of talent in the first and second rounds this year. So I I want to caution that. Where did you get Justin Jefferson? Where did you get Brandon Ayuk? I know it's not that deep, but where so did you get Alvin I got Kamara? And where did you Jefferson get, you know? at 15. I got Ayuk at 25. I'm just saying there's people out there. If he hits, you know, his team, his True. team is going to be I, one of those teams. I think there's a lot to be said that things could very well change after our draft, but that's not going to be for a while. And I think this is still a title contender. But if you're asking me to rank title contenders, I'm going to put probably two or three ahead of him. Yeah. Like, again, we went into this last year saying that there were probably about half the teams in the league were title contending or could reasonably make an effort at it. And for the most part, all of those held up. I think he's further ahead than my current roster, but mine is filled with uh, younger players that I can instead of the elite established stars that he has on his team. So if you're asking about the long-term value, I'll take my roster. If you're talking about the immediate short-term impact, obviously you want the two guys that finished one and two at wide receiver and five out of the top 15. Like that's, that's almost a no brainer. Even at running back, you just need one of them to have a really hot streak at the end of the year, plus your quarterback. And all of a sudden you're a title, like a few points away from a title. I mean, we saw that last year. So this isn't to say that he's not in position to win. It's more of, I think there are other teams, if you really try and pick it apart, that might be a little further ahead because he has some weak spots. Like tight end. So let's transition over there. He only has two on the roster, Eric, or <laughs> Eric Ebron and Albert Aquigbunum. Of course, it gives me trouble on the second try. So uh, anyway... Eric Ebron was pretty much a non-factor in Pittsburgh. Derek has not invested a whole lot in his tight end group. I would imagine that since he picked Rob Gronkowski with that uh, first pick of his draft class last year in the third round, that he might focus on getting somebody like Kyle Pitts this year. That would be one that I I would see him doing maybe in even the first round. But he it, he's going to need to pick up a couple of guys and stack his bench and hope one of them in a rotation might have a better year because I know there are three or four guys in this league that have about four tight ends a piece and are just trying to hold on to one of those guys, hoping that they hit and become the next George Kittle or something. You know, obviously I don't think anybody's at the level of Travis Kelsey. Yeah. It's by far his weakest position, but I think 
that's a common theme in the league with as inconsistent as the tight end room really is. Yeah, you got your top two, and then it just falls, and then everyone is kind of in the middle pack. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does with his draft picks in the offseason that he has. But tight end two is just one of those. It's important, but I don't think a lot of people worry about the tight ends. But I don't know. I could be wrong. Well, I don't know how many people are asking that position to make or break their team, but I think having Eric Ebron, who I don't even think was a top 10 tight end last year, as your only credible starter and really not investing anything in the position is to his detriment. It it is a weak spot. You know, you can't have that be a complete gravity well uh, slash black hole for the entire year and hope that it doesn't bother you too much because that's asking too much from the rest of your players, especially when you don't have an elite running back room. All right, I already said that I felt this team was in title contender mode. Feel that way again. So what what say you? Yeah, I feel like they're a title contender for real. A um, couple of draft picks fill up a couple of holes, and they'll be right there again too. They were there this past year. They just had one dud of a week, which happened to be against me, and I was very thankful for that. But that was a team that was a lot <laughs> that was scoring a lot of points at the end of the year, and that was scaring a lot of us. That's for damn sure. I know I wasn't looking forward to playing him, but he's had one bad week, and that's really all it takes. But yeah, for sure, a title contender for me. Yeah, just on a final note with that uh, uh, Eric Ebron <laughs> situation, that was the one that ended up costing him the playoff game. So it's, it's yeah, a well, position he he's going to have to. Right? Yeah, he, he got, got hurt, hurt but like, yeah, but he only needed like two points in that game in order to win. I don't think so. It wasn't that I'm close. I'm pretty sure it? it was. Hold on. No, I'm going back to that. I beat him by 14. He needed a good game. Okay. He needed a good game out of Ebram. I, I beat him by 14-10. 14.10. But yeah, it came down to Ebram, and then Ebram got hurt. I, I, I do remember some of that, and I think that uh, that was the week that like the Steelers were playing the Bills or something, and that just, yeah, it didn't it didn't end well. Either way, uh, it's just not something you can ignore, but both of us feel this is in title contender mode, and he just needs to make a couple of moves to really make that final push uh, to get him over the edge. Uh, I did have, at one point, uh, a tentative deal worked out for Travis Kelsey for him. And then what happened? He didn't take the deal. Wow. Well, actually, I think Dana uh, poo-pooed it at the end. So you you were working the phones as I was happening. Yeah, I end up being man. a facilitator sometimes <laughs> to trades. Like honestly, I I get joy out of being able to work other people's uh, situations sometimes. But I I can't fault Dana for I guess sitting on that one since he ended up winning the title. Thank you to all the listeners and dynasty players out there. We do appreciate you. We will be back again soon to continue our off season coverage. But until then. Wear a mask, everybody, and we'll see you soon. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.